0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant, sitting uh, across from me. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that makes the Stuff You Should Know, the podcast the incarnation thus far. Is, is there somebody fast-forwarding through this part right now, huh? Yes. <laughs> so, Chuck, right? Mm-hmm. It is Chuck? Yes, still. Have you noticed how often I say right? Yeah. It's mind-numbing.
0: Plus, p- someone will write in and say, do you know you say right all the time? And or, Chuck says, if, um. <laughs>
1: or it sounds like I'm eating hard candy all the time.
0: I know. That, not the case. You've never eaten anything in here. I can attest to that.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm overly salivatory. <laughs> okay. Yes, Chuck. Uh, as you know, I was a student of anthropology. Yeah. Still consider myself sure such. Um, and I first came upon this term called carrying capacity when I was I took this m- life changing anthropology class. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember the teacher's name anymore, but he was awesome. He introduced me to probably my favorite um, article or essay of all time: uh, "The Worst Mistake in the History of the Human Race." Right? By Jerry Diamond. Awesome stuff. Um, any- By Dustin Diamond? By <laughs> Mike Diamond. Okay. By Jared Diamond. Oh, the guy who wrote Collapse and yeah, yeah. Guns, Germs, and Steel and stuff. Um, that's required reading in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, it, I just think you should, uh, that essay, not necessarily his books. Okay. Um, but this, the, I was also introduced to carrying Capacity and this, there was this really cool video he showed us to get the point across. And it's just a map of the world, right? And it's, um, a, it's, there's red dots. It shows population growth. Yeah. And each red dot equals, I think, a million people. Mm-hmm. And so it starts out in Africa, in, uh, Ethiopia, I believe, mm-hmm. the cradle of humanity. Sure. And it starts there and all, you know, very slowly. There's like a, it's time elapsed, obviously. Yeah. So the years go by like that. Yeah. And, um, I, like the the red dots start appearing very slowly start moving out of Africa spreading to Asia to mm-hmm. Europe all that and then um it starts to to uh, pop up around uh North America and South America and then all of a sudden you get to the uh I think like the 16th century maybe a little later the industrial revolution and all of a sudden this map just goes red and it's really jarring it really gets the point across that like how quickly population has grown in the world and the impacts of it you know that's why he coupled this with carrying capacity because it's like well yeah population growth who cares then you say oh well there's a limit to the amount of resources we have um and that limit is called the carrying capacity of earth meaning how much earth can sustain human life and there's supposedly a point to it right yeah i got some stats there's my intro that was great. Take it from here. Here's a couple of stats, Josh. Okay. Uh, the United Nations Population
0: Division estimates because five babies are born every second and eight right, right there. Yeah. ten. <laughs> oh 15. man. You hear all that crying, all that poop. Yeah. Uh, the world is going to have seven billion people by year's end, they think.
1: Seven billion. Yeah. We're at 6.92 and change right now. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, we're close. And, um, to, to illustrate your point there about the red dots. Spreading like a disease (laughs) that is humans. Yeah. Um, Fewer than a billion people in 1800. Yeah, it was like 800 million? 1800, dude. I mean, it seems like ancient history, but it ain't that long ago. Yeah. Uh, 3 billion people in 1960, and only 6 billion people as recently as 1999.
1: Yeah. Between 1950, Chuck, and 1990, the global population doubled from 2.5 billion to 5 billion. That is crazy. And behind this, that's what they call exponential growth. Yes. It's not just adding like a million people a year, slow and steady, you're adding a fixed number. Yeah. It's you're adding, you know, populations doubling in 40 years. That's exponential growth. And that is the basis of what a guy named uh, Thomas Robert Malthus, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, an 18th century English clergyman, uh, predicted in his essay um an essay on the principle of population basically saying human growth is exponential we have a big problem because the growth of food is not it's linear that's right and we're in trouble eventually yes.
0: and he was fairly controversial at the time he was debated by a lot of people uh, one of which was this dude named William Godwin and he had a theory called the perfectibility of society which is basically you know dude, we we're humans and we no matter how much we we grow we will be able to counter that with advances in technology to allow us to grow. So they debated like crazy. Godwin, subsequently, was one of the first proponents of anarchism. And Malthus talked about eugenics way back then, before it was eugenics. He said, I could see something like this being possible, but he said it's probably not something we should do. And he also, incidentally, was the fir- one of the first people to, uh, to support or popularize the, the the economic theory of rent.
1: Really? Yeah. Well, he was just all over the place, wasn't he? Well, but it all kind of
0: ties into population because eugenics tied into it because he was talking about yeah. controlling population. Sure. And rent, he theorized, was uh, only possible with a surplus of resources. Yeah. Um, which allows you to own a second place and rent it, right. I guess. Or rent a tool or you know whatever people rented back then.
1: So, w- what Malthus is talking about is generally classified as uh, economics. Yeah. Right? But it, it's also, it, it stretches into all sorts of dirty, nasty little areas like greed, mm-hmm. um, ecology, population control, so eugenics, um, family planning, abortion, infanticide, yeah. all sorts of stuff um, that, that uh, it has a lot of implications, far reaching implications, right? Yes. And so I didn't realize that there was somebody who was a contemporary of him that argued, like, no, humans will use technology to outstrip, to outpace this Malthusian curse is what it's called, right? Yeah,
0: there was more than Godwin. There was a few people, too.
1: I didn't realize that it was at the time. Yeah. But I know that over the centuries, people have been like, Malthus... That was a great idea, but you really missed the mark. And we're going to use you as an example of how badly somebody can can get it wrong, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, because it wasn't just technology. There's another aspect of it called the demographic transition, which is basically as um, as we get better with this technology, uh-huh. uh, one of the things we come up with is birth control, right? Um, and while we're while our mortality rates are are lowering. Mm-hmm. So, too, are fertility rates. Right. And we eventually come to this thing called the uh, replacement rate, which is 2.1 children per household leads to zero population growth.
0: Right. And I think they said in Western Europe the number was 1.4 in the late 90s. Like, some people are afraid that that Malthus was correct at this point, and other people say that, like in Europe and Asia – they worry about the opposite because, you know, they have right. the problem over there that there are not enough young people to take care of the retirees one day.
1: Exactly. It's negative population growth.
0: So who's right? They do estimate, um, who, who they is. I don't know, but it just said researchers estimate that population's not going to level off until mid century at about nine billion.
1: Well, that's at best. If That's if we do level off. We could continue to exactly. keep growing. The rate we're at now, the replacement rate that leads to zero population growth, which is 2.1. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we're at 2.6 worldwide. And with Africa um, skewing us the other way, Sub-Saharan Africa has about a 5.1 fertility rate, which means for every household there's 5.1 yeah. children born. Does that .1 child, you always feel so bad for us. It's just a <laughs> knee down, you know, <laughs> on one leg. Um, but the, uh, if we can get the zero population growth, then we're not gonna really have to deal with the Malthusian curse, possibly ever. Right. But we're not. And that's, that's, but that's one thing that's, um, that Malthus didn't account for is things like, as societies become more educated, fertility rates tend to drop dramatically. Sure. So that's, that's another way to put it off too. So, he was scoffed at. Like you said, there's a lot of people out there who think he, he was, he missed the mark. But, um, People have been doing a little bit of math lately and have figured out that um, it's inc- entirely possible that he's right, that somewhere down the line he's right.
0: Yeah, and at the basis, we should say, of Malthus's whole thing is a lack of food and water, really. I mean, we need air, food, water, shelter, and all that stuff, but what he was mainly centered on was eventually the food growth will not match up with the population growth, and a billion people
1: go hungry every day already so I, some might argue that that's already the case so let's talk about carrying capacity chuck yeah this is cool um if we had not transitioned which we have which kind of proves the um positivists camp yeah um that we can be technological mm-hmm. if we hadn't transitioned from hunter gatherer to agriculture um the carrying capacity of Earth would have been reached at about 100 million people. Long time ago. Yes, because there's just so many animals running around that we can kill. There's only so many berries that are going to occur naturally on yeah. the on the, the vine, right? Mm-hmm. But we did transition to agriculture um, before we hit the 100 million mark, possibly, maybe not. Um, farming. And we, we began to use technology, yeah. which is growing crops, yeah. to feed ourselves. And animals. And then we reached another point, right, um, where we hit what was called the Green Revolution. You remember that?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I remember. With Norman
1: sure. Borlaug, uh-huh. um, where there was a lot of people who were saying about a billion people are going to die because we are no longer – we're not going to be able to provide food for all the people here. Right. Um, we've, we've come up with great vaccines and all this other technology that's lowering the mortality rate. But that just means people are living longer, and they need food longer over the over their lifespan. Right. Right? So what are we going to do? Norman Borlaug comes along and says, you know what we're going to do? Tapioca we're... pudding. Exactly. <laughs> Tapioca pudding for everybody. For the elderly. And a care bear in every garage. <laughs> no, go ahead with, with what he said, because he was a genius. He said we're going to maximize the yield that we get out of arable land. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to plant some seeds and be like, hope you grow. Right. We're going to apply... Tons of pesticide, tons of fertilizer, and we're going to squeeze f- corn the size of your torso out of every every plant, <laughs> right? Yeah, he wasn't some like
0: awful mad that sound, makes him sound like some awful mad scientist though.
1: In the eyes of a lot of environmentalists, he, he, he well, well, I mean, think about all the runoff, all the, um, uh, the soil depletion, all He also, stuff. didn't he also win a, a Nobel Prize? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's credited with saving that billion people yeah. that were predicted to starve because Man, he came one. in just in time because the earth would have reached this carrying capacity for agriculture. Right. So we've had at least two Different events where we were able to leap forward through technology right. and avoid the Malthusian curse, right? Yes. So there are people out there who say, well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to avoid it again, but what will that be? Sure. And come up with another one. So I'm sorry, Chuck, we would have hit uh, the carrying capacity a hundred million where we hunter gatherers, right? Yeah. So what are the predictions now?
0: Well, they say, and this is the, what I think is really interesting and completely sad is that uh, we have a Potential carrying capacity of 2 billion to 40 billion. Mm-hmm. We're clearly past the two. Yeah. So one might ask, how can it be that big of a range? And the answer is lifestyle. And here's a very sad stat. Uh, if the entire earth live like middle class Americans, not the super rich who, you know, probably consume more energy and the like than your average human, mm-hmm. just regular middle class American folks consume about 3.3 times the subsistence level of food and mm-hmm. two hundred and fifty times the subsistence level of water, clean water. Yeah. And that means the earth if we if everyone was like us, the earth could only support about two billion people. So what's going on is twenty five percent of the earth is consuming I don't have the percentage, but the other seventy five percent of the earth is left with what's left. Right. Which is really, really crappy.
1: It's just a it's a Disparity in the allocation of resources and what's
0: consumed. So that's why it can be a range of two billion to forty billion because of the different lifestyles. If if everyone lived like the twenty-five percent, there would be plenty for everyone, and no one would be starving.
1: No, if everybody lived like the twenty-five percent, we would all we would be not like the seventy-five percent. Right? Sorry. Well, the, um, yeah, that's, that's where the 40 billion number comes in. I've seen 30 and I've seen 40 on the high end for the carrying capacity. And that's where every square inch of arable land is being cultivated to its maximum yield. Right. And all people live in high rises that are as high as we can build them right now. Right. Right. Um, and we're mining, um, asteroids for, uh, for, um, minerals and, and all that. We're not. We're no longer going. We're no longer going to the Earth. We're going to outer space, like terraforming to mine, Mars, maybe, possibly. Don't think that that shouldn't have started about fifty years ago, right? <laughs> um, but the uh, that forty billion prediction is um, based on the absolute minimum requirements, and everybody, forty billion people living on the planet, yeah, um, all using the minimum amount, which is uh, four hundred liters of water a year, and about three hundred kilograms of food a year. Mostly grains. And you can basically kiss meat goodbye. Yeah. Because we need that land to grow our grains rather which than grow grains to feed cows. Right, right. Which is another way that the West consumes resources more than more than its fair share yeah. through a meat rich diet, which is you're not only eating the meat, you're eating the grains that the meat ate. Right. Right? So, Chuck let me ask you something. Okay. If you had If you went home and turned on your tap and there was hot water and it was flowing mm-hmm. and it was as much as you liked, right, mm-hmm. would you care how you were getting that?
0: What do you mean? How it was being delivered through my faucet?
1: Yes. Uh, is this a trick question? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, let me rephrase. Okay. If you went home and I'm turned on- I'm afraid I'm answering it wrong. <laughs> and turned on your hot water and uh-huh. there was as much hot water as you wanted. Yes. And it was you knew it was coming from a sustainable source, would you care-
0: If it was sustainable?
1: Yeah. Uh I guess not. But I'm kind of like a water uh saver, so you're a water saver. What if you knew you didn't really have to save water because it was so sustainable? You wouldn't care. No one cares. As long as we have the luxuries that we're afforded. Yeah, I see your point. It doesn't you don't care if it came from burning banana peels. Right, right. No one cares. The problem is that the, the the problem with the course that we're on apparently right now is that we are um, using technology not to get more from less, but to get more from more, more cheaply, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's a uniquely human thing, they call it in the article, which is pretty much true, but technological advancement is in many ways leading to our habitat destruction. Ideally, at this point, everyone would be on solar, and the, the massive companies would be... Solar powered and all that kind of thing.
1: And that's another great point is, you know, you don't care where your electricity comes from. Do you care if it comes from a solar panel or wind? No. Of course you don't. You just want your electricity. Yeah. So if we had invested or if we could invest our technological advances into, um, getting what we have now Mm -hmm. from less, e.g. solar radiation or wind power, then we would be that that's true cutting edge technology rather right. than you know figuring out ways to deplete things faster more cheaply which is the way we're going
0: yeah like thinking of uh, let's say a more uh efficient uh oil driller or a more efficient uh, way of getting coal from a mountain i.e. mountaintop removal mm-hmm. so they're using technology but they're using it in ways that are also destroying the habitat and sustainability is all about finding the right balance in your habitat.
1: So here's, here's the conclusion I came to from reading this, right? The the argument from the uh, positivists' camp, I don't even think I'm using that word correctly, but <laughs> um, the people who are the optimists' camp. Sure. Duh, right? Are um, They're saying, no, Malthus was incorrect because he failed to account for human ingenuity. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, as population grows, so too do the number of geniuses. Sure. And that's where innovation comes from. Yeah. Right? Um, the, I think the, the optimists are missing a, a point in their model, and that is greed. Mm-hmm. You can't really sway greed to, to benefit
0: human ecology, can you? No, I mean, you can't convince an entire population
1: of people to change their lifestyles, which is what it would take. That's what I'm saying. You you can't because they don't care. Right. But if you could deliver them that same amount of hot water, that same electricity, Uh and it was coming from a sustainable source, no one's going to fight that. Right, right, right. Right? It's having to get them to fight that fight to get the people who are controlling it to change over. They're not going to do that. So- there's that fatal flaw in that model that the gloom and doom camp has over the the um, Optimus camp, and that you, you're, they don't account for for greed. Yeah. Have you ever seen Who Killed the Electric Car?
0: No, I never did. Whew. I encourage people to see that. That's yeah. pretty scary. The EV one was. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but the EV one was it was ready to go. There were TV commercials. You can look up EV one commercial on YouTube, and they were running them on television. Electric hmm. electric cars are here. They're not coming. They are here. And boom, it was gone.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: I'll check it out. And I'll give you a few guesses as to why it left so quickly. <laughs> I think and not only ahead. were they gone, dude, they literally gathered them all up and crushed them.
1: Really? Like so many yeah. uh, E.T. Atari game cartridges? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sad. But yeah. go go rent it. It's cool. Yeah. And
0: um, Power- Powerful lobbies out there. What else you got? I got nothing, man. This is... This is a good one to chew on for people I think. I think so too. We just encourage people like we always do just to you know, we're not saying you know, quit your job and go like build solar panels for a living and live on a, on a wind farm. You can do that, that'd be awesome, but little little things, little positive steps. Save, save a little water, save
1: a little power. I, I disagree, man. What? I, I don't think the onus is on the people. I think the onus is on the the people who are with, Misdirecting technological advancements. I'd say it's on both. I disagree. You don't think the onus is on the people to conserve? No, wow. I, I think I think it I think it is. I think we've put it on the people, but I don't uh-huh. think it's going to make enough of an impact. All right, I think it's on the policymakers. <laughs> That's who I think it's on. I would. I think it's on both. Um. Okay. Well, that's a debate to be played out on yes. the Facebook page, if you ask me. Right? Yeah. I mean, we should set up a form. Um. So, if you want to learn more, type in "Has the Earth Reached Its Carrying Capacity?" or Thomas Malthus, M A L T H U S, in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. It'll bring up some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, then that means it's time for listener
0: mail. All right, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, "How to Make a My Teenage Son Listen to Your Show" from Portland, Oregon. Hi, guys, and Jerry. When you have a teenager, you will quickly learn that you can't just tell them what to do and expect them to do it. I remember those days. Uh, It's so frustrating because as a parent, you know that your kid will love something and get lots out of it, but you can't come right out and say it, or they will never, ever try the thing you told them to try. For example, your podcast. I knew for a fact, like I know that it will rain in Portland, that my 13-year-old son, Ethan, would really love Stuff You Should Know. Because I love the podcast, I've turned other people onto it, and they love it, but I knew I had to be sneaky in order for my son to give it a try. Uh, Ethan is a fencer, and at the time was also working on a research project about renaissance jousting and tournaments. So one Saturday, I was working in the kitchen, I played How knights Work uh, to catch his interest. Every time he came in the kitchen, I'd hit play, when he'd leave, I'd hit pause, <laughs> I would figure he would just think, man, these guys take a long time to finish a sentence. Uh, He would hang around the kitchen longer and longer each time, and I could tell I almost had him on the line, like I was noodling. (laughs) Although, you would say I had him on the arm. Yeah. There's no line. Uh, When it was over, he said he already knew everything you talked about in the podcast, but I could tell he was intrigued. Then I hit him with the Scooby-Doo show, and that was it. You had another fan. Now, he has downloaded the app for his iPod. Nice. And listens each night as he's going to sleep.
1: Wow. that's about from, recruitment.
0: Uh, yeah, that's from Afton N, a a very
1: sneaky mom. Thank you. In Portland, Oregon. Thanks, Afton. Mm-hmm. That also kind of ties into the uh, cult and brainwashing episodes, too, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and she said, um, when she replied, I asked her if I could read this, she said, sure. And she said, I guess he'll know my little trick now, but he'll get such a kick out of being mentioned, Ethan the Fencer. Yes. That he will forgive that.
1: Yeah, and at least he can rest assured that she's not, like, putting anything in his soup to get them to do what she wants. She, she uses more subtle tactics than that. Right?
0: I wish you could put something in soup to make people listen to this. I'd be putting it in soup.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea.
0: I'd put it in all soups.
1: I'll tell you what, if you have any suggestions of what we can put in people's soup to get them to listen to stuff you should know and to get them to go give us a uh, review on iTunes, huh? Yeah, that, that
0: helps us out when you do that.
1: Yeah. Uh, you should send us an email. And you should send it to a specific email address that is stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com.
0: Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join How Stuff Works staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?